This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Spartan 117. Welcome to Quality Time, the KO Koala Entertainment Podcast. Anthony and Skyler will take it from here. Master Chief, out. Hello and welcome to Koality Time, the Kale Koala Entertainment Podcast. I'm Skylar Sokol. And I am Anthony Nicolosi. And today we are here, finally, after long last, to talk about Doom. Doom. 2016. Doom. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Finally freaking beat it. Uh I like was so this will be part of the conversation but I was like I can't I was I was I stopped playing it right literally at the checkpoint of the final boss. Spoilers by the way. If you want to play Doom 2016, you don't want to have anything spoiled, you should not listen to this episode. True. If if you've already played it or you don't care, listen away and uh, I'll start with this. The very final boss, Mr. Brain Boy. Um I thought he was going to be like a, a big boss com- based off of the fact that I was I was referencing him against the two previous boss fights, the Cyber Demon and the uh, two crab boys, the d- hell crabs. And um, so I was like, oh, this one's going to be like three, whatever. And it's true. We'll talk about the interest curve thing and y- that you mentioned when I brought this up earlier. But uh, it turns out he wasn't that. Too, I mean, it still super took you 10 deal. minutes to beat it. Right. And if you had died, yeah. it could have expended a lot, but you didn't die. So it worked out. Right. Um, I'm just curious. Can you check your total playtime in Doom? I can. I just like look at Steam. Yeah, yeah. Just in Steam, it'll be accurate. Fourteen hours. Okay. Cool. 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 I just wasn't sure. So how? So yeah, it took me ten point eight hours. So you just had three hours of shooting your pistol extra. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. What a what a conversation starter that is. Yes. It took. (laughs) That's a good. I think you also said. I, th- I think you said once in chat that the average was like around 11 hours to uh-huh. beat the campaign. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely slower than most. And this uh, brings up, I guess, let's start there. The first point of interesting conversation for me, uh, I will start by saying I played on PC, but with a controller because I am yeah. still quite the potato with keyboard and mouse. So yeah, we'll start out with the control scheme discussion. That's, I, I personally feel like that was a big differentiator in my experience of Doom compared to um, uh, uh, in certain facets of Doom compared to like what you had brought up and what others brought up, brought up yeah. specifically. I think the ammo um usage and weapon switching in in particular was a big big thing uh i mean doom's like major appeal right is this huge variety of weapons that you can use all this like crazy fun shit you can do and the ease of access to that those weapons is such a big part of that in my opinion being able to like shoot one jump in the air switch to whichever one you want shoot again Without like a break in the immersion is really valuable to my enjoyment of the game. And on controller, 150%. that's just not possible. Do you want to describe like how the controller control scheme works and like what that looks like? Yeah, one hundred fifty percent. Totally agree with you because on controller, for you to switch a gun out of so you have like the two primary right, like in a normal shooter. For those who haven't played Doom, especially if you're a console FPS player, you have your like press Y to switch between two weapons. Um, dynamic going on, but Doom has a fuck ton of guns. I want to say it's I like think? 10. I think it's 10. So, and they all have different like places within the sandbox, different. There are certain use cases, like depending on the enemies that you're fighting, we'll get into all of that. So switching between 
all 10 of those guns is, I, I would say that generally I felt like in a given firefight, I would, the game was communicating to me to at least use five of those guns. You yeah, know what I, I mean? would generally use like basically all 10 in every fight. Like interesting. Every yeah. time you got into one of those long form fights where you know there were enemies that kept respawning, whatever, until you killed them all, I would end up using pretty much every gun, if not make like maybe a main five with some supporting other ones. Yeah, right. So to yeah, because I I feel like some of the heavy ones, like the heavy Gauss cannon, uh, to some extent the rocket launcher, the chainsaw, were some that I use like not all the time, kind of a thing. Um. Anyway, to get to those weapons on controller, you have to hold down Y and it opens a radio menu, which actually slows the game down to a complete halt if you hold it long enough. And I didn't really test this, but I never was like kicked out of the radio menu, if you will. Like I could just hold Y and hold it there and like basically like pausing the game. Yeah. Yes. It it gets to that. It's like it, it kind of curves, right? Like it's got a little bit of a. Uh, a slowdown effect to it but yeah at, at the end it's like basically standstill um and my goodness does that play completely in contrast to the rest of the experience of right, doom like right. this like fast-paced metal music is bumping and that it pauses the music too doesn't it it slows it yes, down the whole thing yeah so you're just like and you're like well, in, the, uh, in, in my opinion, the A fucking plus 105 out of 100 part of Doom are for me was were these these uh, set up these set pieces where you'd kind of go into this big room with geometry that you could jump on, run underneath on, uh, jump over, like jump between whatever, and they just spawn a fuck ton of demons, and you just basically fought them all and killed them all until you cleared the space and moved right. on. These were my favorite places, and often, especially as you progress in the game, you're just moving 110 miles per hour, switching between guns as these, you know, you have one enemy that's a big fat slow one and you can siphon his energy from him to recharge your health but then you've got these small little dudes who are charging running up at you and that big ass motherfucker the guy with the white head who is like running at right. you that you have a dynamic there you have the stupid ass witch who teleports around and shoots you from far away like you are it, it's crazy there's a lot of tons of action and pulling up that radio menu is just such a buzzkill and like such a like so what what ended up happening to me most of the time is i would like go into a a a moment if you will in the fight based off of the guys who were like currently in the room i would i would switch into my two guns i would want to use right now maybe like a shotgun and a heavy assault rifle and i i would try to avoid having to bring up the radio menu now the problem for me was because I did that, I would essentially deplete the ammo on those two guns. Yeah, yeah. And then switch to new ones, right? Or not. So I saw you or, a lot of the time just not. deplete the two and then go to your pistol because you like it seemed like in your brain, right? Because it was so stupid to get to all these other guns, you basically only had two guns. And once those 100%. were out, you were like done, right? You were out of ammo. percent. Great way of summing up the process, the thought in my brain. This is <laughs> it's so stupid to bring up this radio menu. I'll just use the two I have. 
and I'll prefer to just have a pistol and another gun. That way I don't have to bring up the radio menu. Right, because the pistol is the only gun with infinite ammo. Yes, yes, for for what it's worth, for those who aren't aware. You have infinite am- ammo on the pistol. You can buff it to a certain extent, but my goodness, you you just need to watch two seconds of Doom gameplay to realize that it is like this wimpy, like the, yeah. a good example is like, it's if for those who have watched Men in Black, it's like the noisy cricket, except it sucks, and it doesn't shoot shit. Yeah. And you can like charge it up. It Compared to all the other guns in Doom, which are just badass and shit, it's a loser gun. And oh my gosh, I used it. <laughs> used a it lot. so much. It was <laughs> and so I think that's a big part of my fucking three hours I, longer I than average. When I said I think you spent three hours extra shooting the pistol. Like that's yeah. those. That's where those hours came in. Hundred <laughs> percent. So um, yeah, you were saying yeah. for you it was different. Yeah, uh, so you on were PC, just rolling through. Right on PC, like you can scroll the mouse wheel to change weapons quickly. You can just each one is mapped to a number key, so you can just click the number key you want to of the weapon. So you can switch basically to any weapon at any time with one button press. Right, like that's right. such a big difference to what you were describing. Well, and you have the mouse wheel too. Right, right? exactly. There's ton. There's multiple options for switching between weapons, and not. No one. There's not even a radio radio I'm menu. I'm sure right? there's a button to bring it up, but I sure never did. Okay. Okay. Or if I did, it was like in between fights. And uh, so I would say, so related to this in Doom 2016, at least we're not talking about Eternal yet. Um, you to re- recover ammo, you can do a few things. You can do a, what's it called? An execution, like gl- glory execution, kill whatever. Um, that gives you some ammo. That gives you some health. In addition, the main way to get ammo is outside of like drops on the floor like little pickups is using your chainsaw which in doom 2016 has ammo it's got fuel that you can like and you can only to kill some of the big guys with it you need to have enough fuel to be able to like three quarters of the total fuel stuff like yes so for me the chainsaw first of all was yet another thing to manage the ammo for um, I'll tell you, there are some of those pickups on the map that I still don't know what the fuck they filled up. <laughs> like, like I, I would just run over everything and be like, it's got to be a positive thing for me to right. run over this. Right. So I felt like when I, I the the places that made a lot of sense and obvious for me to use the chainsaw was like if you go up to those spaces where there's a lot of the easy like walking zombie dudes who are you know no no danger at all i was like oh okay the game is telling me pull out my chainsaw here and get some ammo you know although yeah i I, never used it on those dudes what would you use those dudes for in uh out of curiosity did you also just did you also see it as like a health you know, yeah, yeah. As an up, exec- for execution kills, though, not for chainsaw for me. I use the chainsaw to kill enemies that were annoying. Yeah. Well, that's, that's fair. They, I think they're called imps, those guys who, like, throw, throw the, the fireballs. fireballs. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like they're kind of the um, base enemy, if you will, in, in, in a lot of, of these the encounters. first enemies you see, yeah. Yeah, and and those uh, those were other guys that sometimes I would use chainsaw on. But I'll I'll t- I'll say I'll tell you I I basically rotated through pairs of weapons through my weapon wheel. Right. And depleted the ammo up, and then only would really have the think like, oh yeah, I should pull out my chainsaw now. When I uh, like, from my perspective, and, and I think part of this was I was maybe playing on a difficulty that was too easy for me, but I felt like I could just handle the situation with another pair of guns than like you know refilling the ammo for another one that was probably the optimal weapon to use for that encounter. But yeah, potentially. 
So, yeah. I don't know. For, I saw you a ton of times open your weapon wheel, have like full ammo on like four or five different guns, then pull out your chainsaw and chainsaw something. And then that's all true. Of the chat would die. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes I just wanted one gun to come back, you know? Like, <laughs> right. I wanted like the, fun, the, the plasma, what's it called? The plasma, plasma rifle? rifle, yeah. Yeah, that maybe we'll move gun. to that. Let's talk about the guns just in general. Do you have a favorite weapon now looking back on the game? Well, I first will preface this answer with saying that, you know, you have the weapon mods. Yeah, right? so yeah, Which, yeah, yeah. Including that, I guess, part of the discussion. Yeah, so yeah. I, th- that's going to be part of my thing. You can, th- as you go through the game, for those who don't know, you can get mods for your weapons and it gives them new firing options and all that stuff. Damn. Overall, I would say the one that feels like the most satisfying to shoot is the heavy assault rifle for me, I think. The one that I has also the micro really missiles. like the heavy assault rifle. Full. Um, yeah. I, I got the aim down sight upgrade actually first for that gun. I really enjoyed using that as well. Um, I, I got the micro missiles later. I did not get that later. upgrade at all. Yeah, it was that. fun because you could get like really good headshots from far away and do like a fuck ton of damage to weak spots from far away. Um, and since there was no real like sniper rifle kind of gun, that sort of, right. and I like those that kind of like gunplay, sniper rifle kind of gunplay. So that sort of replaced that for me in a way in some situations. Yeah, what did you think about? Because you, I think the shooters that you at least usually talk about, and I th- think you usually play. I don't know, you don't play a ton of shooters all the, most of the time. You not I think generally. You, although Bioshock Infinite and Bioshock, my favorite games of all time, right, are shooters. Right. So, um, but like. More recently, you played Valorant. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, a very different game from a movement perspective yeah. and a lot yeah, of yeah. things. And I didn't approach this game with the same mindset at all, right? Like, Did you enjoy Doom? Did yeah, you like it? Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Uh-huh. Uh, so the, yeah, because this one, the thing I loved about this one, similar to Halo, is there's no hit fire penalty. Like there was, there was, there were benefits of using some of the abilities, right? Like you just pointed out the aim down sights one, um, but like I said, I didn't have the aim down sights one. You're, you, I think you're completely capable of going through the whole game without having that and yeah. uh, hip firing your way through the whole thing. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't even say that like hip fire even really existed in the game because the majority of the weapons only had one like fire state, right? Yeah, there was. It's not even right. There's only one gun that even had a zoom out option, zoom in option. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, so the assault rifle sick. Uh, I really liked the minigun chain gun thing. That gun was really fun to use. That rotates. Yeah, 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 yeah. I loved using that gun. I liked using the rocket launcher, especially once you get the rock lock on that shot the three rockets. Yes. Um, and yep, also the plasma that rifle. That shit was super fun. That could freeze the enemies. And the, when yeah. you freeze enough, if you do the challenge, I don't know if you ever did if you ever did enough. You had to like be pretty methodical about it to do the challenge. I can't remember what it was, but you had to use something with that ability to do the challenge. Because you know, for all the weapon mods, there's a challenge upgrade where if you do this thing enough, you get an additional benefit with that weapon mod. Mm, I so did not know that. For the plasma rifle, once you get the benefit, when you freeze an enemy and they die, it freezes nearby enemies as well. And so it like spreads the freeze, which was super fun to use. Yeah, I, I, nope, I didn't have that. Yep. Yeah, I, I thought it was. Uh, I, again, the the way they it's, uh, so this is maybe spilling a little bit outside of just the weapons themselves and getting it a little bit into the enemies and the enemy design sure. and the yeah, AI we, design. Let's move to that. Yeah, the encounter design. I think I, I told Skyler this on stream. There. Are, I, I the ammo thing and the switching between stuff with on controller was like didn't feel awesome to me. Um, 
and that's that that's one thing i didn't enjoy something some other parts that we'll talk about later but holy shit the encounter design like the ai design in in tandem with the sandbox design and the character movement and everything fucking phenomenal like yeah it a felt plus really plus. good the, yes. the design of the environments plus like where the enemies were spawning there were the only uh, negative I could say is there are some situations you could get in where there were like just a few enemies left and you like couldn't find them. Interesting. Um, like you had to like run around looking for them and find that like last enemy. That was a little annoying. It, but other than that, I think the design was so good. Right. Like. Right. They. It wasn't. It didn't feel as much like you know some games where like each enemy waits its turn to fight with you. Didn't mm-hmm. feel like that. Like it gave you the feeling that you were fighting with more enemies. And I know we've talked about the ticket system they used before in yep. how the combat worked, um, yep. and I think that really paid off here. Like it made the combat feel so dynamic and and fluid. Really interesting. Yeah, I think. Um on top of that, like we said before, and everybody knows, if you know Doom, it's a 150 miles per hour game. And they did such a good job with the enemies on communicating with the animation sequences and their and their firing-like sequences. They were so easy to read, understand, and, and, and work a plan around. You know what I mean? Like, yes. You, you, when you died, I don't think I ever died in that game and felt like, what the fuck just happened, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I did die, it was like, oh, the, I remember there's this one sequence you're like, you, fa- the, you start the sequence by falling down onto some rocks and then you have to jump over the rocks a few times. Yep. And there's the big guys who float demons. The big eyeball guys, yep. The big eyeball guys. I think they're called like, beholders. Okay, there's like three of them that spawn and they come at you. And I remember I died like six times there because like I, I wanted watching to you die there. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I I don't think this is a big deal. Basically, I didn't think it was a big deal. I could just go through and pistol it. Um, and really, what it was was I, I think it's like kind of like a little puzzle. They were they I end up like plasma plasma rifling one and then like taking that one out, then the assault rifle, whatever. Like they when i died i didn't feel like well what's going on here it's cheap it was very like clear that i wasn't getting it i don't know how to explain Uh to you it was always very understandable um what what was going on how i was losing what the other enemies were going to do they were easy to read and their their difficulty in a lot of cases um i would say there wasn't really a demon that was hard 1v1. It was their difficulty was when they were within these scenes all, all next to each other and that they all kind of had this unique role. You had the beholder Cyclops boy who had this like air and he's he's const- he's almost always right getting closer to you. At least like mm-hmm. within a certain range he starts getting near. Um, and actually I think that's one interesting dynamic that I'm trying to think most of these guys have maybe that one sniper dude doesn't have it but almost all of them are always like going at you you know what i mean like yeah or the, like moving around you in a way too like yes. the teleporting uh like the guys with the missile launchers and the jetpacks you know those enemies yep, the, like, tall yep. dudes yeah those yep. like move around you sort of yeah those are the, the main ones i was thinking in that teleporting witch lady thing yeah um, but the other ones are always kind of like moving at you. Once you they know? see you, at least once they like That's know true. where you are, right. they start approaching for sure. And that um, that like encourages, pushes you towards that like running around and shooting them gameplay. You know what totally. I mean? It's not like a we set up. 
for example, like a this take is a, cover behind this one wall kind of right, thing, right? Kind of a thing. Or that they're taking cover. They're just coming out and they overwhelm you with sort of their dynamics of there's right. the imp guy who is who can also scale up a fucking pillar. So yeah. like you might have a given situ- situation where the imp's going up the pillar at you and he can throw a fireball. There's that big fat guy who's strolling down with his like green radioactive toxics thing through the middle, and you have the Cyclops boy coming from the right. So the difficulty is like in that given circumstance is also with the weapons. Like what what weapons do I want to use in this in this situation? And this is like also where it's like if I if I game it if I went into that situation with a pistol and a shotgun. My first thought is like I want a plasma rifle to deal with the Cyclops guy, and uh, maybe go to the heavy assault rifle for the imp, mm-hmm. and then I'll siphon grenade the fat bo- the fat dude. Those are all things. They might be all things that I don't currently have equipped. So that's radial menu and yeah. all that stuff. So it sucks, you know, like that yep. that part sucked. But once I did, and I'm fighting them, it's fun as fuck. It's like yeah. super fun. So yeah. on the positive notes, let's continue down that before we get onto the bad stuff. So <laughs> bad. Uh, the, let's talk about the music. What did you think overall of the music? Boom, boom, boom. I liked it. I mean, um, uh. When yes, I liked it. I I really liked it, and I thought it obviously complemented it super good. Um, although at times I did feel like I, I don't know. I was expecting more uniqueness, if that's the right word, at certain points. But anyway, it it that was, may have been it because you were in some encounters for abnormally long because of your pistoling too, potentially. So maybe <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you're talking about that. Like a individual song felt like it was well, getting dude, repetitive, or the other the other thing could be like I was saying on those radio menus, it kills it everything. Does. It does totally, including the music. The music yeah. doesn't keep playing. It all goes. So fucking lame. So like, it's not their fault. It's not its fault. I'm th- I'm thinking about what they could have done to do that better. I think the only alternative there was like on a controller, you could just spam Y to get to weapons, or just not release the game on console. Easy, fuck those console games. <laughs> well, even I mean, I like I said, I played on PC, but like <laughs> those controller players, you could say uh, we don't support control. It's a, that's another conversation we could maybe have, I mean, especially yeah. after the Ghost Runner thing. But um, yeah, so. Outside of that, the, it was badass, dude. And the game is about being a badass. Great job. Yeah, the music just like bumping. The tempo of the music, the pace of the music, I felt really matched yes. like the pace of 100%. the gameplay. 100%. Really good way. The way the music like stopped when you finished an encounter was like very cathartic. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. yeah, I thought the way they used music in the game was great, and the sound design in de- general I was in say, the game generally was the sound and audio was really good. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Between the sea, also like the anime. Oh fuck, dude, the animations. You know. Oh yeah, graphically, and, just in general, the graphics are amazing. Yep, I, it, the graphics were super good. I mean, I that game is now what approaching five years old. Like, right, that's crazy. Twenty sixteen, four to five years old game, and that it looks thing could that release good. right now and look wow. You know. Yeah. Right. So, Move over, it, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. <laughs> <laughs> no, super good. Um super smooth like also the, 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 we're not talking about some of those other things because i think it just like came with it like super smooth gameplay from a technical perspective i thought it was a masterpiece the animations were super cool the fact that you could blow up like th- these are things that i think you kind of take for granted and it's just like an awesome game but the the destructible limbs and shit you know mm. like they didn't have to do that and a lot of games no. don't do that and they did it great uh it was always fun to at least personally like to see how i was going to blow up the guys with the gore kills oh and those were done i thought 
well. They weren't slow enough they to were, bother me. Yep. And they uh, uh, were also cool. So for, for me personally... That was another plus. Yeah, they were fast and cool, right? Like that's yeah, like, if I yeah. if I'm if I'm gonna have some sort of execution that's gonna happen a lot, better not. It better be fast. And yep. they managed to make them really fast and still really satisfying. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. All right. So now we gotta talk about it. Gotta talk about the platforming sections. <laughs> you know what's interesting? I thought about it. So first of all. I did not like it. Oh my gosh, I didn't like it. Uh, right. the, the, well, the so this includes sections. just the general that platforming section where you're climbing is the big one, right? Where you're climbing up that big area. There's also the sections where you have to like find the skulls and take them to the right places. Those sections I think are included here. Just the general non-combat like interlude sections that were yes. narratively driven. Because I thought the I've, narratively driven ones were fine, right? Like where you're finding the pillars. Give me an example. Like where you find the pillar that would give you the low talking voice guy and give you some. Sure. Some shit or the cut the things where you were like seeing the memory cutscenes, right? Side note, the voice like effects I they did on some of the characters. Fucking so fucking voice. I loved it. That guy's voice, the Here's the story. Yep. Blah blah blah. And then Samuel Hayden's how they affected it, loved it, you know, like yeah, uh, I knew you would uh, like that shit. They were all super cool. But um, um anyway, platforming. Tell me platforming, about it. Platforming, yeah. Uh so yeah, there's the general thing of these interludes between the game, the the fights. And I feel that there was a level towards the end where that stopped being a thing as much. Like, I want to say it was like three levels from the end. Those final three levels, you didn't have as many of these interludes, I felt. Like, you, it was more just fight to fight to fight to fight, which I well, love. you had to do the skull finding stuff at the end. Maybe it and was because the skull stuff, like... For, so I actually got lost easier? on one of the skulls, and it took me a long time. It actually Close was really fucking annoying. Close to the yeah. end? Mm-hmm. Okay. I couldn't find it because I, like... It was obvious from the very first location where you're supposed to find it, but I, like, missed it then. And then if you, like, miss it then, mm. it's so hard to go back and find. Mm. And that, like, fucked me over for a while and was really annoying. But I thought the platforming, like, the jump mechanics felt oh, good, right? Like, we talked about the movement felt good. But mm-hmm. it wasn't so good that it was satisfying to just do that, right? And the, that's the big yeah. problem. Doom did the auto-clambering. And, and I've not talked an about it before. Clambering not an auto clambering guy, and and I felt like a lot of the platforming sequences, it wasn't like uh, optional. You know, you sort of just jumped at a platform, having your hit head like it felt like your forehead's hitting the thing, and you auto clamber. And I uh, didn't. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I didn't care for it. I I am more of a fan of the manual clamberingness. So. Yes, the platforming, yeah, the, the first thing, the interludes between the, the fighting sucked for me personally. I understand maybe, especially for other people, that was a nice like relief, you know, from an interest curve perspective. You have these very intense sequences where you have the fights going on and it's nice to have uh, a bit of a downtime between the next one. I, did, I hated that. I wish I would have just fought those things over and over and over again. I would have loved that. Um, and on top of that, if it was not for the stream on a couple of occasions, I would have fucking been there forever, finding out right. where to jump to or where the fucking skull was, especially early on. Like I said, I felt like the earlier levels had it more, like the first half of the game had more of it. Maybe totally. it, they didn't, but um, I did not like that. Like, shit. I did not like that. Um, I don't know what... It, what. So you, you kind of said already what you felt about that 
section those sections what do you do you think they were a good idea though like no it was i mean good i to... think if the movement was more fun yes but i don't think the movement itself was satisfying enough right it's no ghost runner right you can't like slide and wall run and grapple hook and do all this crazy movement shit right like maybe if son of the weapons doubled as giving you some sort of movement ability differences then it could have been more interesting which but, interestingly i think they do in eternal i think and, there's and, like a grapple hook shotgun or something right yeah and if that's the case that could really add to it i think right like I agree. it just wasn't dynamic though it was literally just run and jump look for the yeah. green lights run and jump like that's yeah. not fun I'm well, sorry. And, dude, it wasn't like I would it wasn't that it was like a puzzle. Like it was not soup. There was that one section where you're like I, I want to say it's like a you're in a room where a train thing is passing by and there's a window up there that you're supposed to go through. I remember that being a time where like if the stream hadn't told me and I'm glad it did. I'll t- I'll say this. I'll say this. There were several points in Doom where I was like I don't need to keep playing this game. Like <laughs> Right. And right. those were them. Like uh yeah. I felt I, like I had fun in the fighting sequences. I had experienced it and fuck your platforming. I like, got I got to defend the word puzzle here. I don't I don't like that whenever you have to think about something you call it a puzzle because that was not clever enough to be what I would call a puzzle. That I, w- was I wouldn't call that very clever either. It's, yes, not, it's just like fair. a I don't even know what it is. It's An not annoyance? even a puzzle. It's like just a tedious activity they made you do. Yeah, because it didn't no. require thinking; it just required randomly walking around until you saw green lights. That's true. That's yeah, not a, like that's not a puzzle. Yeah. What even is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I agree. I d- did not like it, um, and I did not care for the go find the skull to open the store. I got. Yeah. I'm sure it adds time to the game. Yeah, and maybe that was a concern because some people the- still care about that. Maybe, you know, uh, I don't know. Anyway, I, I, I want to say that it was more from the perspective of the they uh, they realized that the game is so fast paced in its battle sequences and they wanted to have some like slower moments between. I could see that. But the narrative moments were enough for that. I felt like right. Like where you had yeah, the I agree. The blue ghost cutscenes or found a pillar and it talked to you like those moments were plenty for me. Right. That was plenty enough of a break for me. And those were nice. But like. The platforming shit? No, thanks. Yep, 100%. Um, um, you know, of those narrative sequences, real quick, because you mentioned them, uh-huh. I feel like there were two main kinds of them that uh-huh. I stumbled upon. There's one, there are these, like, stones that the low voice dude talks. That just talks to you, right? And then there are these, like, holographic moments. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. Um, I personally, as cool as that guy's voice was, I don't think I stuck around to hear any of them except maybe the first one. Why in the world they made that voice fade away when you walked away? I have no fucking idea. That was such a bad decision, right? Like, even if it didn't make that much in-universe sense for you to, like, hear the voice forever, you're in, like, this magical hell universe. Maybe, like, hitting the pillar made him be able to talk to your brain. Like, I didn't. Although, that is, yeah. They, 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 I agree with you. They could have easily come up with a reason that you heard it. And um, then you could hear it anywhere, so you didn't have to, because, like, of course, why do you want to, why would you want to stand there and just listen to audio? I'm not sure. I, 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 I was, like, thinking maybe it's because when they were testing the game there were sequences where like you could press because i gotta think that's harder to do than just playing it uh you uh like having a radius of sound from a spot but like having uh uh, it maybe they found during testing that like if you play it you could run to a space that there's combat 
before the thing finished talking, and that was janky. Maybe I, uh, that's fine with like I would be fine with that. You know yeah, what I mean? Was... This happens to a lot of games that have audio logs. Like I just like Ghost Rider, for example. You can find these secret audio logs, but you can you have to go into the menu and play them in the menu, and you can't leave the menu and keep playing the game while you listen to them. And that just annoys the crap out of me. Like Halo Five, yeah, Halo Five. Actually, now that I think about it, it's like lore drops within the campaign were like this stone thing you press play on it when you found it and it would play right there i don't know maybe i'm remembering incorrectly and that one actually did play while you moved which made sense it's like chip the spartan puts right in. right but um I, I the the point i initially was trying to think would make was for me the voice only right there without having something else wasn't captivating enough for me no, to stick around not at all and that's why i said it sh- it should have moved with you because why would anyone stick around Okay, yeah, because, right, like, I thought hearing it was, like, as cool as the way this guy's delivering it, and even as interesting as it sort of, some of the content was, um, within the lore, from the lore perspective of things, like, whatever, of who Doomslayer was, what he was doing, uh, you you probably had to give a shit about the lore to stick around, um, I feel, you know? Even more than that, though, right? Like, you had to give a shit about the lore more than you wanted to keep playing the game. Right, right. <laughs> the holographic thing was more of just, like, I, I think the visual element yeah. made it interesting enough to, like, oh, what's happening, what's going right. on? You can't walk away from something visual and still see it. So, like, it makes way more sense to have you stay there's, there. There's one thing of if I would have come up to a stone that was talking about the sacrifices that the corrupted evil lady was doing, you know, and then there's another thing of I walk into the hologram and she's, you know, stabbing you people it, right. in the chest for a service, whatever. Right. All right. Um, so, gotta wrap this up. So, final question okay. is: What is your top three wish list for Doom Eternal? Oh, so shit. Um, I'll go, I'll go first. Okay. So, my top top thing would be: um, I want the gunplay to feel like the same, if not better. Right? Like, I want. As much weapon variety, hopefully new weapons that weren't in the first game, and uh, I want like new ways to interact with them. Like, what wouldn't it be cool if like you could shoot one gun and then if you used a different gun on some element of what you shot with the first gun, they like interacted in somewhat? Mm-hmm. That'd be sick. Just saying. Mm-hmm. I don't. I doubt that's in the game, but like, I just want more of that same gunplay. I hope that just like gets better. They didn't like overthink it and make it worse. Mm-hmm. Um, number two. I want no, either no platforming sections or way more interesting platforming sections. <laughs> um, like I want them to be fun and satisfying because there can be fun and satisfying first-person platforming. See Mirror's Edge or Ghost Runner or any of those games. So I hope it feels like that. And three, I want better narrative delivery because, like we just talked about, I think there were a lot of moments where in doom like the narrative just wasn't delivered that well so it wasn't that interesting to follow like you basically just realized that that lady was kind of evil and that she was still evil and then in the end yep there she is and she's still evil and oh look there's these big monstrosities that aren't even really mentioned in the lore and those are the bosses you're fighting who are these guys i don't know yeah 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 that's from my perspective the fact that they kept it sort of simple for the game um is a good thing almost for me but i do agree that 
though especially those stones man like the things yeah. they were saying i didn't feel like i needed to be a lore expert to understand were interesting but i just quite frankly in a game that's all about of being a fucking ferrari didn't want to just step stand yeah. there for yeah. five minutes you know and i don't so, think the story was like that exceedingly simple i just think they delivered it poorly enough that it came off that the, the memorable yeah. elements were just the simple ones honestly the, 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 the memorable things that come away that i come away with the, the main one is being in Samuel Hayden's office and he's talking to you. That's the main like thing I remember of the game experiences and Vega talking to you about how she's, you know, you're going to blow it up. Yeah, yeah. Destroying Vega, the Vega like computer destruction part was great. I thought that was like probably the strongest narrative moment in the whole game from like yep. just like a narrative design while you're playing gameplay perspective. That was really good. Like, yeah. I think you, like, feel for Vega. You're like, this is kind of fucked up, but is it fucked up? Because they're a computer. And they really do, like, address that and, like, make you think about that while you're still having fun playing the game rather than, yeah. like, making you stand at a pillar to hear that. Agreed. You Agreed. got anything in your top three that differs from mine or anything else you can think of? Top three. I'm, I'm just... assuming you probably agree relatively with mine, but... Yes, yeah, and I, I, I won't even say the second part because your second point, because from my perspective, it needs to be as good as this holistically okay uh -huh. and i know that's kind of general but it has it's to fine. be as good from my perspective and yes holy shit please like it, it, the same thing i'm platforming i'm i uh -huh. won't even count that yes <laughs> um i just hope that the moment to moment experience of the gameplay for me as a controller player i know that's unfair to them but i hope that somehow it, it's a little better so um, are you planning to play with a controller that was the question i wanted to ask well this is what i'm thinking for eternal i played on like the normal difficulty hurt me plenty uh -huh. and i felt like the battle sequences were too easy i did take a long time but like we talked about i was fucking fighting <laughs> the big dudes with a pistol right so. you didn't die that often you just took fucking forever to beat them. yes so I would prefer to try Eternal like at a harder difficulty, but uh -huh. at a harder difficulty is going to be even harder for me to play on mouse and keyboard. I felt like I would have probably like that's really frustrating. If I play on mouse and keyboard, something that if I would have played hurt me plenty, I would have died way more. Uh -huh. um, I think right, it's true. Maybe by switching more weapons, I would have been better. So I just like I want to try uh -huh. Eternal on a harder difficulty, and so I feel like I need a controller to do that personally. Interesting, um, but. Maybe I will give it a try. We're gonna have first. to find some game to convert you, and I do think Doom is a good option because I really do I like think it. it's intended I, I, to be played on mouse and keyboard. Here's the frustration: I like playing on mouse and keyboard, the shooters, and I like playing right. Doom. But it's frustrating to be like, I can do this so easily if I just pick up the yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. controller, totally, totally, and then like you know. So it's like if I told you to go play Halo on a controller, you're like. Well, I, I went to my friend's house once <laughs> and played Rainbow Six Siege on a controller, and I wanted to like yes. blow my brains out. I was like, "How can you have fun doing this?" Yeah. So, uh, admittedly, I think mouse and keyboard is enjoyable. It's not that's it's not a question about right. no, it being totally. good, but it's just the learning curve, right? Um, and it's frustrating from that perspective. So, so where I, do people find us? Yeah, I. Uh, oh, sorry. Real quick though, my top yes. three. I. Oh. Uh, I would say that, yeah, improving that moment-to-moment -moment situation with the gameplay with the controller would be one. Two, I agree with... I, I would be interested. I, here's here's the here's the thing. I know some things that are in Eternal. The the infinite chainsaw. 
I'm interested in experiencing because I feel like that could change my experience. There is that grapple hook and there are these like things you can jump on and swing on They're like monkey bars around the level. I'm so you're spoiling the game instead of making a wish list. And you have a saying. thrust. So <laughs> I'm super excited for that stuff. I didn't know and you knew so much about it. I know like literally zero going in. Yeah, I, 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 for a while now, ever since I saw things, I'm like, God, that looks awesome. Um, but I just hope that the as a halo fan who has had the core gameplay sort of broken by mechanics in different ways over the years i hope they don't break shit with the new shit that's fair that's enough. A, that's a thing and uh finally i hope that uh the music soundtrack's even more epic and i'm actually concerned because i know that there were some issues around that with Mick Gordon and all that stuff, but I hope this. I hope the soundtrack and the audio is even more epic. Those are my well, three things. Tune in like probably January 2022 when Anthony finally beats <laughs> Doom Eternal, and we'll have that podcast. I do want to. I do want to try it sooner. And yeah, maybe I'll do a hurt me plenty normal, but on keyboard and mouse, and then that maybe try sick. and work up. I would yeah. love to watch that. I. I, I yeah. mean, I think it would be great for your future PC FPS adventures. Um, <laughs> Anyway, where can people find us? You can find us at kokoalaentertainment.com. There you have links to all of our social media. Discord, come join us on Discord where the community is at, where you can start to get first little itsy-bitsy tidbits about the lore of our upcoming game through the idle game that you play inside the Discord. Get research, get to level six, get automatically entered into epic giveaways that we do every three weeks. Just a ton of goodness. On top of that, you can find links to all of our social media, normal like Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, where we do giveaways and do cool shit and funny content all over the place. Also, in addition, today we launched our Patreon. Uh, it is full of tons of fucking value. We especially, good lord, if you're international, you actually technically make money <laughs> in value yep. off of it. So yes, join up. You have we have three tiers: two dollars, five dollars, ten dollars, five and ten dollars. You're getting free merch at certain intervals. On top of that, if you're a Koala Manjaro fan, Sansquid was in the chat here uh, on Twitch. He is the first Koala Manjaro subscriber. He's going to appear in the credits of our game after six months. Get free merch after six months. Get free stickers every three months get access to behind the scenes content special channel just with the devs where we're already chatting with them uh yep. all kinds of seriously uh, bi-weekly game shit. nights with the devs where you get to play games with us you guys get to choose the games we play as long as they're not exorbitantly expensive we'll buy them and we'll play them with you unless it's the 200 dollar cod ultimate 500 yeah, no. gigabyte edition no, you, you know. can buy that for us yeah, uh, then we'll play with you. Speaking of Evan patrons, joining Evan, in, Evan, another patron, the first yeah. ever uh, subscriber, Mister Koalatacular. Yeah, Evan. Ooh. Evan was the first ever subscriber. Squid was the first Koala Manjaro subscriber. There it is. Um, yes, they get free merch. You also get access to behind the scenes content, especially as we get closer to releasing the game. That's going to be what inside that's looks. Really pay off. Yeah, at us. Like you're already, you're going to see some stuff on um, whatever music that we make. Um, maybe some investigate like game audio sessions, recording sessions, mixing sessions. Maybe even some game asset exploration kind of stuff outside yeah. of you know just more personal like vlogging have you ever wanted to watch skylar cook the fucking crazy shit he posts yeah it's perfect content for showing up on there too yep. um all kinds of good stuff but yes as we get closer to the game watch us you know plan it's like it's almost like these like micro maybe more personal vidocs um that as you sort of expect from yeah. other studios to assert a little bit so um 
quite our goal was to deliver tons of value even if you're a united states uh subscriber you get like seriously just off of the merch you get almost all of your money back uh as if you would have you know bought it directly so yeah um we're trying to not not screw you like it's not the literally screw anyone over we're trying to give you really good shit so yes um so so we got a question from evan actually we'll end the podcast with this i forgot evan gave us a and I'm uh, sorry to say what we're about to read. Evan's question is part of his perks as a Patreon. Actually, we answer you read one, it so I don't yes, show the channel on. C- we answer one question a week on quality time um, from our patrons. And Evan's question this week was, what do you see the future of the video game market looking like in 10 years? Uh, now we got to make this quick. Just so you know, no, no 20 minute discussion, but you go first <laughs> and tell me what you see. Yes. So I asked him, you know, is there a specific part of the market that he wanted us to focus on? But he was saying kind of just general high level, like, would you ever straight out buy a game in the future in 10 years from now? Is everything some weird subscription based market? Um, From my perspective, the gaming market, first of all, I think cloud gaming is eventually going to supplant like console gaming in large part for the casual market gaming. Yes, like uh, <laughs> once the technology, once the technology backbone gets good enough, um, I think that's where the casual gamers are going to be. I do not ever think you will get away like the dedicated PC market will ever go away. That is the high end experience market, you know, the premium market that will always be there. But I do think cloud gaming is going to largely come. I wouldn't be surprised to see something like. If you will, like a small Xboxy little box that only streams things, it's like kind of like a glorified Chromecast, if you will, that becomes commonplace in people's homes. Um, but uh, yes, I do think cloud is going to come up a lot. I think the subscription-based services are definitely going to continue to grow. I also think you're going to see innovations around how people can um, pay for these things. You're going to see some things like. Maybe you can watch ads instead of paying outright for things. Kind of, you know, innovations around how you can, how reducing, right right now, free-to-play is already so ubiquitous. Uh, those models are already all over the place. But reducing the friction at the point of sale is something that they're just going to continue to explore and figure out how to do, right? Um, yeah. So I, I think, yeah, those things. As to what... Like I think some other things are interesting to think about over the next ten years: VR and augmented yeah, that's what reality I was games. Say. You got If you're going to talk about gaming in the next ten years, you got to talk about VR and AR. That's like coming up. It's the the the. It there are a lot of experiences that people have made for VR and AR now that people think are very high quality experiences, but I still don't think they compare at all to the like current modern gaming experience and to like make those lines intersect in the next 10 years, I think will be the main task of VR and AR game development. And I don't even know necessarily how that's going to be possible. There's major motion sickness issues that come into play when you're trying to do that. Maybe we need that ready player one shit. Like, I don't know how you, uh, (laughs) how you make that work. I'm not even confident that this will happen in the next 10 years for VR. Yeah. But, um, I, I just think you still have, with the current experiences available, way too many moments where you're pulled out of the experience and you realize that you you remember what technology you're in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
um, the technology is still so much in your way of the experience, in my in my opinion. And I'm not feeling confident. Not to say it can't. I could see maybe at the tail end of 10 years it being close to something like that. But um, do I feel like eliminating motion sickness is impossible? Maybe for some people, but it's generally speaking. It's not impossible from a physical if you use physical mechanisms to offset it, but just using a VR headset, I do unless we have some sort of electrical impulse to the brain thing we come up with where you could like trick it, I don't think it's possible without some external physical mechanism, right? Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think you can do a lot more than we're doing now to make it better. Let me put it that way. Um, but I, I agree. I think, yeah, there's a lot to figure out there. And I think the fact that you see like uh, Phil Spencer and the Microsoft team have talked about how part of the reason like you know PlayStation has VR Xbox hasn't done it and uh, Phil Spencer like con- continues to say that like he just doesn't think VR is in a con- like I think the dedicated gamers like they always already do that that segment of the market might continue to explore it further but for the casual uh, large audience if you will it needs to hit a point of convenience and like immersion easy to use and like great quality experience that is maybe 10 years farther than 10 years away so i i, I think i think vr has a, a bunch of insane potential in more integrated ways uh, larger scale environments we've talked about those like vr rec center things evan and chat that's a whole other category of things but um yeah i just casual at home vr stuff i i don't know i don't know to be super yeah, compelling. i don't know when it'll get there either yeah um I think another Anything big else? thing is um, is like using mobile devices to play like actual video games coming th- through c- cloud-based gaming, and maybe like some way to like mount your mobile device on your TV or something, or you know, so mm-hmm. you don't need some sort of dedicated console to play a cloud-based game. Like I imagine in the next ten years we'll have TVs, you know, like the Chrome TVs and the Apple TVs, but they're you know, like they have the Xbox app on them that just streams games directly to the TV. So you don't need any external hardware, right? Yep. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, yep. I could see a, I, I think it's in their business interest to make, if you will, an Xbox TV, a PlayStation TV, because you can also uh, control the advertising channels through that. I would right. not be surprised that they just release like the Xbox TV, you know, the Surface TV. Totally. Totally. Um, it would make and, sense. Uh, I do feel like they are, there's going to be a reintegration, a repush onto somehow coalescing these experiences back into like physical meetups. So like I don't know if that's like you you saw a little bit of it from the Microsoft Store stuff before COVID happened, but they were like can, they were beefing up their like grassroots tournament experience, like trying to draw people into events. Because there's a lot of like business reasons why that. Um, increases a, a fans investment in the brand and stuff when you have those experiences where you make friends and you play games together i yeah. think you're going to see that come back to some extent although I mean, it's coming back already through esports and stuff like that right yeah like people do that through esports i don't think we're really talking about split screen gaming we're talking about like esports arena like LAN party-esque experiences right yeah josh is saying in chat yeah covid killed it 100 i mean yeah. microsoft store literally 
is not a thing anymore because of COVID. But right. just to say, I think at a macro level over the next decade, I think you'll see those start to come back as everyone Possibly. figures those out. Um, or we'll all just meet in VR and do it that way, right? Yeah. Like, I think also we're it's it's all it's still sort of prototypey, but flexible displays could really change this mobile gaming dynamic. If you had, if I could play Halo. On a, on a device that was initially the size of my phone, but that folded up to the size of a screen of a laptop, right? Like, that's, that's true. way more compelling. I don't compelling. know if that's in the next 10 years, but that's definitely yeah. coming, yeah. Another thing, totally yeah. Right. Oh, that's kind of hard to predict. So, those are some... All right, yeah, that's, a, that's, our, that's our preliminary answer. But I got more for you, Evan, because next week on Quality Time, we're going to be talking about physical games, the... the, the, the the de- decline of physical games, the demise of the physical gaming market. Is it demising? So that's going to have a lot more of this discussion on what games are starting to look like and what they'll continue to look like. Yep. hundred percent. So thanks everyone for listening. Yep. Thank you. Like I said, check Deuces. out the Patreon. Lots of value there. Uh, and you can get your questions answered like Evan here. We will see you. Thank you so much. Peace <laughs> out. Goodbye. Play Limbo. This game's good. For my shirt is. <laughs> yes. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>